Aloha and welcome to Connection to the Cosmos with your host, me, Dr. Lisa Thompson, where I have out of this world conversations with extraordinary people. Today, I have human design expert, Christy Sullivan, and I'll bring her on in just a moment. I'm so excited to talk about human design, one of my favorite topics. And so if you are watching this on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel, like the video, please comment if you're watching here on Facebook in either of the business pages, then we can see your comments. So go ahead and comment. Um, otherwise, if you're watching on the personal page, you'll, we'll have to wait to see the comments till after the broadcast. And if you're listening on one of the podcast stations, thank you so much for joining us. So just another announcement about my newest book, Connection to the Cosmos, Remembering Your Galactic Heritage and Embracing Your Oneness. It's available August 30th on Amazon, so stay tuned for that. And my newest Oracle deck, Connection to the Cosmos Oracle deck, is now available on my website at drlisajthompson.com, or you can get there also by going to mysticmanta.com. Okay, so now we're going to bring Christy on the screen. Hey, Christy. Hi, thanks for having me, Lisa. How is my sound? Okay, it's still a little crackly, but we're going to go with it. So, okay. Yep. Okay. I'm going to tell everyone about you in case they don't know who you are. So, Christy H. Sullivan is a human design and self care expert, author, and speaker on a mission to help busy women stop overworking and start overflowing. She hosts a virtual community for female personal development junkies like herself to create better wellness improve relationships, shift mindsets, and manifest more success, wealth, and freedom to live their best life by design. Christy is lead author of a best-selling Amazon book called Stop Overworking and Start Overflowing, 25 Ways to Transform Your Life Using Human Design, published in October of 2021 through Brave Healer Productions with 25 other human design practitioners. She also is co-author of three collaborative books that were produced during the 2020 pandemic. So one of them is The Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing, Volume 2, The Great Pause, Blessings and Wisdom from COVID-19, and Transformation 2020, along with, hmm, along with two new anthologies launching this summer, The Ultimate Guide to Creating Your Soul-Aligned Business and Wealth Codes. You're a busy lady. <laughs> Christy teaches internationally, both in person and virtually, and has been featured on dozens of podcasts, workshops, and conferences. She also has been a certified yoga instructor for nearly two decades and became a full-time solopreneur in 2020. Welcome to the show, Christy. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you so much for the invitation and opportunity. Yes. Well, so before we get into human design, because again, you know, I love human design. I've been working with my design for eight years now. Um, I would love for you to tell our audience a little bit about like how you grew up. What was what kind of household, spiritual or religious or, you know, so we can get the background of like how you maybe transitioned into the work. Sure. And um, yeah, that's a big part, I think, of my journey as I look back. I uh, grew up in an Eastern European family with a background um, from um, parents who were from Eastern Europe, and I'm first-generation American. So um, I did grow up in a Catholic household as well, so would go to church and do all those things, um, traditions, and uh, that was through most of my uh, school years. And then in college, I think I started to explore just different, uh, notice different people and how they were um, different religions, um, you know, and, and explored sort of some of that. And then when I was out of college in my early 20s, I discovered yoga. And not that yoga replaced church necessarily, but it did fulfill me in a very spiritual way. Um, and since I was already exploring sort of other modalities um, and started to take an interest in my own personal growth journey and spiritual journey, um, I really started to evolve beyond sort of that construct of church 
And I, I think yoga helped me with that in terms of going deeper into my own sort of uh, inner divinity. And, um, you know, with that background, I think of having some religion in my um, upbringing that it helped me formulate that, you know, there, there was something bigger than me and that I was connected to it. And so um, yoga really was one of those pivotal points. And then as we'll talk about in, when I discovered human design, that brought me even deeper into who I am as an authentic being, as a soul being here. So um, that was sort of the beginning. Okay. Well, so were there, after once you were really into the yoga, were there other modalities that you dabbled in before you got into human design or was human design the next thing? So when I discovered yoga, I became a yoga teacher as well. And for me, it was about um, the wellness part and the wellness journey and uh, creating better health and mental health, uh, physical health. And so I really learned a lot about wellness and that part. And I think it was more around the time that I started discovering human design that I started to open up into other modalities um, like energy work and ancestral clearing and um, sort of those parts of wellness that go well beyond the mm -hmm. mind and the body and more into the spirit. And, and so I started to move into um, also like exploring things like family constellation work. Um, I had also trained in Reiki, essential oils. So some of those also kind of plant-based and energy-based modalities and healing. And so I just love all sorts. And I, um, I've, I've tried many different things, but you know, I, I look to people like you who are experts in those fields. And I, I love to have a resource network of others who provide that, that healing. Yeah, same here. I mean, I love I love having all the collaborative feminine businesses and people that I bring on here and that are just in my tribe in general. It's amazing because even if I mean, like we're both human design practitioners, but even that, like, I love to help support and promote you, right? So, <laughs> how um, I guess how long ago did you discover human design? Like, how long have you been working with your own design, and then? What made you decide to actually do it for others or with others? So I discovered about five or six years ago, and I say that human design, when I discovered this particular you know, tool, it was the same as when I um, discovered yoga and went to my first yoga class and then went into my first, you know, uh, training for yoga, I couldn't stop talking about it. So I couldn't stop sharing human design with my friends and family. I would pull their charts for fun. I would, you know, um, talk about my chart, the different energy types, sort of the basic elements. And um, about two years ago, when uh, the year of the pandemic, I had the opportunity to transition from my longtime marketing career to step more fully into what I call the, you know, the wellness, the spiritual arena, personal development um, uh, practice. And I decided uh, that I would start following my human design as a tool, which led me to speaking about human design and teaching it because these opportunities just started to pop up. And in human design, if your listeners know that, um, I am the type called the generator. So I respond to opportunities um, and check in with what lights me up. And I had a book opportunity come up and I said yes to that um, the first year um, that uh, I started to really dive into human design uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. So I knew it for a few years and then I started really diving in. And, you know, they say it takes like seven years for the deconditioning process. So hopefully I'm, I'm close to that, but um, it's always a process. And so when I started to, um, to speak on it and write the books, I then uh, just turned it into sort of a business because not many people that I knew knew about human design. So I wanted to share and teach it. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, and, um, so I've been working with my design for about eight years and my coach, Kathy Rivers, who was one of the authors in your book, which I introduced you to because you, and I do, I just want to throw that you did invite me to be part of that book. And I was already in two other collaborative books that year. So I had to decline, but I got Kathy um, introduced to you. And so Kathy Rivers, I've been working with her for eight years. And um, 
so really, and I'm a generator as well. And so really working with that generator energy is so different than what I did most of my life where I was trying to be a manifester, trying to initiate and push and make things happen. <laughs> and life was really hard doing it that way. So the more that I relaxed into trusting that opportunities would come, then I could be more in the flow. Yes. And isn't it amazing? I think also as generators, we often are saying yes to so many things when we don't recognize, um, you know, or know human design or recognize that we should really listen to more of the intuitive inner wisdom. But I think we can be very much so busy saying yes to things and then slowing down is a big part of what I've noticed that slowing down, recognizing um, that the opportunities are there, trust that they're there mm -hmm. and trust what I should say yes to. Um, because just there's so many generators that are out there. And I think that that's where my book really came from is this idea that it, it's hard work if you are trying to force and initiate like a manifestor type. And even when we want to um, listen to opportunities, we just start to say yes, and we're overworking, even as generators. Right. So um, let's talk about what um, what is your inner authority? I am a sacral inner authority, so practicing to say yes and no to my... <laughs> <laughs> to the gut, yes. To the gut, yeah. Okay, so yes, yeah, so we're we're right on the same page with each other so far. So um, I would love to know like since you have been working with this energy of waiting to respond and then your gut says yes or no what what transformations have you had in your life like in terms of working with that mm, well really one of the stories that i write about is the I, the year that i transitioned from marketing um it was like an open door that i stepped through to be um my next phase of my journey i was I knew I wasn't going to go back to marketing and I said, well, what, what can I just trust? How can I just trust and what will show up for me? And the first thing was um, a friend of mine offered me an opportunity to be in her writing coaching group that she was starting right around the, the, the time of the pandemic or right before. And I wasn't planning to write a book at that time, but I enjoyed her and I enjoyed, enjoyed the idea of connecting to folks because I'm a, a line four also. And so I said, yes, I said, you know what? It's a once a month, once a week meeting for six weeks. Um, I'll be part of this and I'll see what I'm going to learn. And what I didn't know is that a few months later, a friend of mine, our mutual friend that you and I know, um, she announced that she was going to be in a book, a collaboration of 20 other authors. And I thought, oh, this that's really neat. And then the publisher was looking for authors for book number two. And when they were looking, I decided, you know what, this is something I want to say yes to because it came across um, my radar as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of some examples of like things I just started to follow using my gut. I didn't know why I didn't, I didn't have an a vision or a goal of being a writer or an author, but I said yes. And then a year later, here I am producing my own book and then talking and teaching about human design. So just following things like that, where I had to trust and I didn't know where it would lead me, but mm -hmm. I'm so glad I said yes. And I can see now looking back where it led me. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, this, um, the students and clients that I have, like, the inner authority piece, well, know, knowing how to work with your energy, but then the inner authority piece for me has been instrumental in my life for making huge changes. And just knowing those pieces about yourself, about your design can make huge impacts in your life, like for the better, right? So my first thing after working with Kathy that I got a really strong yes on was leaving my second husband. <laughs> So, you know, that's a major transition. And then I got a yes. Um, I had a hand analysis done, scientific hand analysis. And the next or one of the things that she had told me was that my role was to be some sort of kind of spiritual teacher or healer. And my kids also had the same marking and that I had to be the one to step through that door. 
at the time I had an interior design home staging business. So I was not looking for a new career, but, and I stayed open, I didn't push it. But then a couple of years after that, then an opportunity to go to a spiritual conference came up and then past life regression showed up at that conference that I got a huge yes on. So that was my, like my entry into doing this, um, this spiritual business for the last five and a half years. <laughs> and then I got a yes to move to Hawaii, which like none of it, none of these things made any sense. Leaving my husband made sense, but the other things didn't make sense because I had a, you know, I had a good life. <laughs> yeah. And those are some major, major changes and things you had to trust. And, and I'm feeling called to say this, that I write in, in one of my first books about how really I, I had some um, big things happening before the transition in my job, which was unexpected by the way, but one of which was my, my marriage had um, some uh, things that really rocked the foundation. And I didn't realize, but looking back also listening to my sacral, um, you know, it was, a, it was an opportunity to say, is this right for me? Um, you know, do I need to move on? And I didn't have a yes. You know, so sometimes we're following the yeah. yes, but sometimes we have to listen to the no. Um, or if we don't hear the yes, then they say it's a not now. Right. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've had even in, in a marriage, which, you know, relationship work is one thing and, and, and we have our identity kind of wrapped up in that work or where we live, but relationships can really be sometimes so much more emotional. And, uh, I just wanted to share, like I've crossed that bridge too, but in a different direction of, yes. of, of saying, yeah, of saying I'm going to stay. Right. You know? Yes. Well, and <laughs> I, yeah. Um, looking back, I, I know that that yes, that I got was definitely the right thing. Cause now I actually, I'm remarried to the love of my life. So and someone who actually accepts me for all of my quirkiness and my galactic stuff, where the other one um, didn't at all. And so, um, so how how have you used human design in your personal relationships? Because I know, like for me, it's really mm. the way that I deal with my kids, my friends, my spouse. So I'd love to know how that's been for you. Yeah, and that's a great question. Um, while you were just saying and, and you know noticing you know the the match wasn't there like with your with your last husband that i would say you know one thing i've learned from human design is there isn't necessarily no perfect match but this is really what i've learned is that when you can honor who you are uniquely and when you look at it through the lens of human design and understand you really are uniquely imprinted or encoded and nothing's wrong with you, you are just who you are, then you can start to also recognize and honor the uniqueness of others. And it doesn't mean you may can be a good match for them or not. It just means you need to show up if you're in a relationship uh, honoring that other person. And that makes it a little easier not to try to change people or think that they have to be changed or if you're not the same, that something's wrong it's helped me to recognize that we are in fact different and yes. just to meet the other person where they're at. Yeah. Well, and that's a beautiful thing. And that's exactly what I talk to my clients and my students about with those relationships. And there are just going to be some people that energetically that you come into contact with that are not going to be a good match <laughs> and it's okay, but we can appreciate them for who they are. That doesn't mean that we necessarily have to have them in our life. That's right. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's something I've, I've taught, uh, like a class on relationships and just that idea of, um, it's really about understanding who you are first and foremost. Yes. And then I've had people, you know, come to me and, and want to do uh, charts for their family and, um, especially kids. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always say, you know, um, inform yourself because sometimes your spouse or kids don't really want to know their design. Yeah. And uh, but it can be really helpful for you just knowing who you are and then who are the people around you. And, and um, it's really fascinating. Yeah. Well, so in your family, do you have 
um, do you have any of your family members that are like projectors or manifestors or even reflector where they're totally different than you? <laughs> so really most of my family are all generators or manifesting generators. And um, I looked at, you know, who uh, my immediate family, who I grew up with. So when I recognized, oh, my gosh, we're all like the generator types made sense. You know, the whole Eastern European working hard mentality. Yeah. We quickly all adopted that because I think that's very much the generator thinks they have to work hard. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have now nieces and nephews. And one of them is actually a manifester. And for me, that that to me is a huge, um, it's just very interesting. It's a huge aha about how different, not that he's different in, in so to speak, but he, he is different and that he's either trying to act like everyone else or they think he needs to be like them. And that aha of, wow, he is actually so unique and manifestors since they're only 9% of the population. You know, he is, I try to actually teach him a little bit like, it's okay, you don't have to work nine to five and you need more rest. So I try to teach him those things that he doesn't have to be like everybody else. Well, and I, my son is a manifester. And I think for me, um, knowing that about him for, so he's turning 14. So I've known about, this, you know, for again, the last eight years since he was six and, and Kathy, my coach, you know, she, she is a manifester. So she really helped me understand my son to a really beautiful degree of like, okay, you know, he's going to be different. And his dad, the one that I ended up divorcing, um, even though, you know, he kind of knows current human design, but he, he just wants current, he thinks he should be just like him as a generator, but he's not. And so like for me, understanding where his bouts of anger come from and him like running out the door, doing things without telling me or, you know, because they're just initiating. Right. And so I'm trying to train him. Just tell me, just inform me, inform me, because that's his job, right? Is to just inform. <laughs> but it's hard to be, it can be challenging to be a parent of a very, like, someone who's going to just go do something, whether they're supposed to or not. Independent. <laughs> yeah, very. But, uh, and then also knowing, yes, he needs time away from us. We Because the rest of us in our household are generators. So he used to go and hide out in his closet and play Legos just to get away from us, <laughs> so, you know, so it's a beautiful thing. And um, even learning how to talk the language, you know, because they have that the closed aura where you give them information, you can't ask them open-ended questions, right? So just, and, and I have talked to him about that too, of like, okay, you know, you, once you're an adult, you know, no one's going to stop you. But as a kid, you know, fitting into the normal like school system or even in your dad's household, you know, it's going to be a little challenging. Definitely. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, the manifestors have defined throats, right? And so often, even this day and age, you know, children need to be uh, the, the premises seen and not heard or, you know, uh, don't, don't, talk to strangers or, you know, don't talk back and things where it's like, well, they're, they're just speaking their voice and how can we help support that? Um, and that informing, cause I think when kids and I don't have kids of my own, but as I notice when kids are suppressed in that voice, the manifestors, especially they have a hard time informing, right? Because they think they're not supposed to be really talking, um, or, they they're being so they're so used to being told what to do um even though that's not great for them either right well and that's the thing i mean when he's in my household he gets to really be who he is and he is very open like he tells me all sorts of things that i probably don't want to know but i'm glad he's he tells me but i also i allow him to to have that opportunity where he doesn't necessarily have that same thing in the other household so it's going to be interesting to see like how, how much conditioning 
he actually has, because that's one thing that, right, we, we start getting conditioned in the womb with yeah. this, and then we can spend the rest of our lives, once we learn this, deconditioning ourselves. Yep, that's our journey. <laughs> so um, now, and we, you know, we jumped right into this conversation without, we may have some listeners that are like, what is human design? So I would love for you, from your perspective, to share what human design is. Well, I love that saying it's like astrology, but on steroids and, uh, you know, the, the, the typical, uh, explanation is your, it's your energetic blueprint based on your birth date. But I also like to explain it like this, um, because, uh, in my family we're big on cars and, um, I see sort of astrology or, you know, the Akashic records and things like that as sort of this journey of your soul. If we're here in this form, our soul has a purpose and a journey. Um, so I think of human design uh, as the car on your journey. And when you look under the hood and see how you're programmed or wired, then it helps you understand how your this car runs along this journey that has many choices in life and uh, different roads that you can take. And um, you know, even though you have this sole purpose to know how you are um, as an operating system, how you're wired. And for me, when I, uh, I knew yoga very much and the chakra system, when I saw the human design body chart that you receive once you input your birth information, then that, um, that visual of like the energy centers and the chakras really resonated for me. And so I really love that idea of like, oh, seeing how those different energy centers are and the information it gives you and even how that correlates to things in the physical body or on your soul journey and your purpose. It's really fascinating. I'm just starting to also dive into a little bit more of my chart with gene keys, which is a whole other side of human design. Right. But I, Kathy's been encouraging me to get into the gene keys too. And I'm like, there's just so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you have to wait for the right timing. But um, yeah, so I talk about it like that car and understanding what's under the hood of your car. And then I have this great analogy that if you put everyone, all the types into the car, you'd have the manifester that would be like, okay, we're going for a road trip. And then you'd have the generator making sure like, is the car uh, gas, you know, full? Do you have the snacks? And then you've got the projector that's like, wait a second, how are we traveling on this road? Are we taking the scenic view or the highway? Has anyone checked? the traffic, and then you've got the reflector sitting in the back seat, um, just sort of reflecting back, like, okay, everybody, let's calm down. Let's make sure we have fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so actually, so are the reflectors are the true unicorns of the world. Do you have any reflectors in your life? So I don't actually, and I'm lucky to say that I have one reflector in the book that was produced. So I was so grateful to connect with her. She's in Australia and I'm going to actually be perhaps meeting her in person at a human design conference I'm going to in September um, if she's there. But I do have uh, one other person I know who's a reflector, but I've always said if I come across a reflector, I'll give them a reading for free. <laughs> Okay, well, one um, I had a student, I was teaching some classes for a couple of years, and I had a student who took all the classes, she was a reflector. So it was just fascinating to hear her, her take on, you know, all the different things that we were learning and to really learn about herself. And know like, okay, there might be a better time to, you know, have this meeting with my people or, you know, just really using the daily transit also for yeah. yeah, and understanding because they're so open, like how they come into contact with other people. And what yeah, it's so interesting. And I'm gonna take a little tangent here, but you know, in 2027, there's supposedly a new like design energy uh, type that's coming potentially. And I, I know like the projectors evolved in the 1800s, 1700s. So I'm sort of like, what's that going to look like? How, how will we know? Right. And um, yeah, yeah and re reflectors right now are the unicorns. So it's really um, interesting if you know someone or can meet them. Yeah. So when, when you're talking about the energy centers, um, that's one area that was huge for me to know about for myself, because um, especially where I'm open or undefined, like really understanding that, especially so because we're sacral, 
we do not have defined emotional centers. And so what I, looking back throughout my life, what I realized is I was taking on people's emotions, thinking they were mine, and I would hold them in for years. And so, you know, again, when Kathy first did my chart and she told me this and I'm just like, oh my God. I mean, number one, it was a huge relief, but it also just explained a lot of periods in my life where I was around certain people where their emotions really influenced me. So I'm curious if you have the same experience being sacral yourself. Yeah, and I I think actually most of my family also were um, open or undefined emotional centers, and only one person had it defined. Um, I don't think that of that person as like having uh, these natural highs and lows that the emotional center usually has. So that being said, though, taking on either the energy of whether I was in school or later in life in the workplace, it, it helped me understand, yeah, that um, I have to somehow process, right, or release and clear some of these emotions that I might be picking up. Sometimes it can be good. I always say that to, to clients, like sometimes you're picking up a good emotion. Um, and what I, what I realize is this day and age, this whole global collective, you know, um, bigger emotional sort of aura that we're all holding for each other, that th that can also, I think, affect those of us with open centers, because um, if you're listening to media or depending on, you know, who you surround yourself with and their, their emotions about what's going on in our, in our current world, I think that that's really important to keep an eye on because I know I can feel sometimes these lows and I'm like, where is this coming mm -hmm. from? Yeah. I, I thought that too. And then I, I, I now have the ability to be like, okay, is this mine? And then I realize, no, it's not mine. <laughs> and just even acknowledging that helps release it. Yeah, and and doing things like energy clearing. Um, yeah, you know, and and where you are, it's probably such an amazing place to be, just to go and put your feet on the ground on the sacred ground of Hawaii. Yes. And I know that I like to do that. You know, I'm in the Northeast where there's not always like warm weather, but I like to go outside, put my feet in the ground. I've realized even just laying on the ground sometimes and just releasing energy, you know, into the earth is healing. And to do that, you know, when I'm getting up in the morning, slowing down, so I'm not, you know, revving up all this energy and also um, in the evening time clearing really what's not mine as well. Right. So what other um, energy centers do you have undefined in your chart? Oh, the head, the ajna, and the throat. So everything above my shoulders. Okay, same here. So we're very yeah. similar. I know. It must be. That's why we even match with our, our shirts tops today. Okay, um, well, so, so let's talk about that before we maybe get to the other ones. So for you, yeah. Um, cause I know how, how it's worked for me. So I want to hear from you first, like how having those three undefined, how that shows up in your world and how you deal with that. Mm, yeah, it's a good question. Explain what that means too for people. Yeah. So when you're, when you have what's called an open energy center, you typically are taking in and amplifying the energy around you versus what's defined, um, as energy center, you're you're creating or defining that energy. Um, so with like the open head and Ajna, um, this head center, I really notice, you know, who I'm around, I can be influenced by their ideas, their thoughts, um, their beliefs. So um, for me, I have to remind myself that staying neutral, but I also have this gift of open-mindedness. I can change my mind. I don't have to... Um, you know, beat myself up if I'm indecisive, which we, you know, decisions are a whole other thing. That's not, shouldn't be done right. through the head anyway. But yeah. this idea that like when my husband and I are thinking about like, where do we want to go eat? Um, I could come up with all sorts of ideas. Um, and I might have this idea of like, oh, I want a salad. And then I walk into the restaurant and see something really good. The other day that that happened, I changed my mind because I saw either what somebody ordered or heard. And I was like, Oh, I want that. And I changed my mind. Um, so, you know, the head I just have to recognize is, is open and fluid. 
And um, know, for me, it's to know better how to work with that. Uh, the throat being open <laughs> explains why I feel sometimes I'm not heard. Like uh, being invited to a podcast is great because I have this platform to speak and uh, you ask great questions and I can respond. But if I walk into a room where sometimes I'm with a group of people and they're all chit-chatting and I went to go to say something, I feel like sometimes like nobody hears me or uh, you know, my, my, my comment just kind of floated out there. And I'm like, where did that go? Interesting. Well, so how it showed up for me, especially the throat is that I'm as a child, I didn't always feel like I had a voice. Like I couldn't speak up for myself. I couldn't say what I needed to say, like, especially to my mom. I don't know why, like I would get this big, like ball in my throat, this energy where I just couldn't speak. And what's also looking back, what's really interesting is I used to get tonsillitis all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that has some relation maybe to that center of not yes. being able to express that energy. But how it showed up for me um, in school was I, I didn't trust that I would have the right words to give presentations. And so like for grad school, you know, I had to give regular scientific talks at national meetings and I would have to write down verbatim what I was going to say and practice over and over so that I felt confident that I could actually mm. speak what I need to speak. And then now though, I just, you know, again, working with this for seven, eight years, trusting that if there are enough people's energy to fill me up, I will always have the right words to say, to speak to them. So yeah. it's absolutely like, I don't, I come on and I'm like, okay, who am I talking to today? <laughs> so I don't have to practice anymore. It's yeah. a leap. I can just be in the flow now. Yeah. And I can resonate. And I, I will say, you know, we can have very different experiences based on our upbringing. I know for me, I was shy um, I started to speak more out. Um, I was shy in school, but not at home, I would say. But I, I was also the youngest, so I didn't always, again, I didn't feel always heard. Uh, when I went to college, I felt like I could say things more. But now in this phase of my life, I re recognize, you know, the, the gift of being quiet, the gift of, they say, letting your aura do the talking. And uh, that words are not the only way to communicate, right? And right. Um, so, like, I've come full circle. And I also um, know, like you, that I have this confidence that I'm not going to over-prepare. I'm just going to let what needs to come out come through me. Um, and, again, it's, it's based on probably our life experiences, our conditioning, and um, that even if you have similar centers with others, you can have very different experiences. And, you know, that's why we're all unique. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, we have different gates activated within those. Yeah, definitely. Yes, that too. And so um, the other thing, and for those of you with the three open, the three centers open in your top, if you are a speaker or a writer or a creative type that needs to get that um, communication across. Um, the best advice, again, Kathy, she, I mean, she, she was huge as a coach for me. I just loved that woman so much. But she was like, okay, if you're ever stuck in writing or in coming up with new ideas, she's like, just go sit in a coffee shop. Just go put yourself in the energy of other people and it will flow. What I can tell you is that, you know, with all the books and collaborative books that I've written over the years, that piece of advice was like well worth every dime I've ever paid her. Because, like I really like sometimes I'll, I'll be here in my office and I won't, I won't have the right stuff, but then, you know, in the coffee shop, it will flow or on the airplane. Yeah. I, I wrote a chapter for one of the books on an airplane and it just flowed out within an hour or two and it needed very little editing. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. I your book writing, I don't know if you've experienced that or just that you naturally gravitate to areas where there are other energy centers of people. Well, that's interesting. So I got the same advice for the idea of when I need to make a decision or if I'm speaking, want to want to have a conversation. Um, 
with my husband who also has an open throat, like for us to go to a, a coffee shop, right? Yeah. Um, and, and talk there. Um, no, that's not true. He doesn't, he does have a defined, he's a manifesting generator, so he has a defined throat. So yeah, I always pick that up. Um, but open heads decision, I was to go into a coffee shop because we both have open heads. Um, but in yeah. terms of writing, yeah, I feel like, um, actually for me, I feel a little bit differently. Like I need to get in my body. And for me, when I talk about human design, if you don't know what human design is, my first advice is always just go and do self-care and that aligns your energy. So for me, like doing some kind of physical activity, getting in my body, and then I usually go outside and, and sit or in a quiet space and just focus like on the writing and just being with myself and taking away those distractions. Um, I haven't tried a coffee shop for writing, but I know like just getting in the body can help me with the writing because it'll flow through me. Okay, very interesting. Okay, so what other energy centers, if any, do you have undefined? Uh, that's it, the emotional and those three, and okay. then the rest are defined. So you have willpower. Oh, no, and that's open. I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have that open, too. No willpower here. <laughs> well, that, I mean, yeah, when I explain that piece to my clients, it's just so funny because they're like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. Because, you know, we, so those of us that have the undefined willpower center, we have really great intentions and we ha ha may have moments where we have the willpower, but it's not consistent. And so that's where having a coach, a mentor, you know, a mastermind group, things of that nature to really help hold you accountable and give you that willpower <laughs> can be. Yeah. I've got a, a great uh, story about that. So my husband does have defined will. Okay. My, and my husband does. One example I give is that we'll go for a bicycle ride mm -hmm. and he can get on a bike and go miles and I get pretty tired. But if I'm with him, I can keep up. Even if I'm tired, I, I'll just keep going. Um, and one day we were on this very long ride and I was like, I think you just need to go get the car because, you know, you go ahead. And as soon as he left me, I really slowed down. Like I felt like every pedal was so hard, but when he was with me and he knows this, so he'll say to me, no, I'll stay with you. Cause I, I don't want to go too far ahead. Cause I know you're yeah. keeping up with me. And that's what, that's an example of willpower. Cause to me it's, it's his endurance. Like he just has this commitment of I'm going to go the distance. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of ride his coattails, but it can be depleting because I know I really don't have willpower. I'm just absorbing his, right? Yeah. Yes, my husband, he has the willpower defined as well. And so he he can get up every morning and do his exercise, go for a walk. And he really has to be like, come on, you're coming with me. Um, now he did change jobs recently, so we don't do our morning walks like we used to. But I really needed him, especially when we lived in Washington State. And it was dark and rainy, and I would not want to get out of bed and go walk in the dark. <laughs> but he would be, come on. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, for those of you that have, you know, whether it's kids, partners, whoever, roommates living in your house, their energy can have a really strong influence on how you're showing up in your life. <laughs> Yes. And to be aware, awareness is such a key, again, to honoring who you are, honoring others, and just um, recognizing that not all that we're feeling, not all that we're thinking, and not all that we're doing, even that root center when it's opened, you know, people are taking on this pressure to do more, um, that it's sometimes coming from others. Um, and again, not in a bad way necessarily, but with the awareness, you can start making different choices. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, okay. So earlier you had mentioned that you're a line four. So just again, if you want to explain to the audience what that means. Sure. I'm a four, six, actually. What that means is that you um, carry these um, aspects of the profile of, for me, the four is the opportunist. 
and then the six is the role model. Um, there are six lines or combinations uh, of, of six different lines that you can have. And uh, the opportunist fits so much with me because I love networking and connecting to people. Um, I have a lot of friends on Facebook and connections on LinkedIn because when I meet people, I connect with them through social media. Um, I, I'm a resource you know, connector. I can say, oh, I know someone who does this or does that. And then um, my sixth line being the role model and me coming towards my, uh, someone said, knocking on my third phase soon, which is after the age of 50, become a role model to others. So it'll be interesting to, to be in that phase. But um, I seem to attract also four sixes. I don't, what are you, Lisa? <laughs> I'm a six two, actually. Oh. And I had my Chiron last year um, a little early. So mine was, mine hit at 48. <laughs> so I'm head of, ahead of the game. I'm turning 50 this year, but Kathy, she did my Chiron chart for me. And um, so I am in that third stage. And the line two, I definitely, um, I really understand how that works for me now. Being the hermit and really, really needing just that alone time to integrate my experiences and my, you know, the information that I'm learning. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like the line six um, is a little bit of the like a three, a combination of three. Uh, they say, you know, first uh, the martyr, you're experiencing things in the first phase. The second, I feel is a little bit like the hermit because you're taking a step back, observing. Yeah. Um, which I've noticed myself in, in the current um, phase two that I'm at. And um, so it's very interesting. And, and I, I love just how the profiles help. Uh, I'm starting to get even deeper into like each gate is related to a different profile, the, the decimal point, right? So it's like this whole rabbit hole it that is. I'm going down. But I just love how the profiles give a little bit of aspect of um, the way that you do something, you know, the, the process that you need. Yes. And I totally that. So for those of you that are sixes, have six, the, th the first stage really is all about experimenting, having that hands on, like people can tell you all day long, but you're like, nope, I got to figure it out for myself. <laughs> and so people that are threes, line threes, that's your whole life. You're experimenting and you're supposed to. So I don't like that. Some of the words that Raw came up with, like martyr, I don't like some of the terminology. So for the line three, I like using the words with my clients like experiencer or experimenter because it just makes it a little more like, okay, no, you're just out, you know, having fun. <laughs> yeah. In life. Yeah. Yeah. I notice that. I'll, I'll sometimes say in a reading now, some of these words, they're meant to shock you. They're meant to wake you up because he had the gate of shock um, or the channel of shock. So he, yeah. you know, used some words or channeled some, some words that yeah. again, were, yeah, can be taken a little, not lightly. <laughs> right. Yes. Well now, and there, so there are different teachers of human design that have a little bit different flavor of how they describe things in their books. So we've got Karen Curry Parker, we have Teton Parkin, those are the two that um, Chiton's work, and I don't even know if I'm saying that right. That's the work that um, I learned on, that Kathy taught us on. And, yeah. and then later I found Karen's work. And so I, the way that she phrases some of the gates, you know, and the energy of those gates, a little bit different than um, Chiton's, but I love using them in conjunction with each other. Mm. So yeah. what is, who have been your... Um, inspirations. Mm. And I usually equate this to same with yoga. Like we, yoga has these fundamental basic elements. I mean, mm -hmm. if you go back to the beginning of yoga and the poses and why they, you know, were, were practiced and even the eight limbs of yoga. And now, you know, people have modernized it and such, but you do have different teachers who have uh, typically a different flavor, but they're using the same elements. Um, so Karen Curry Parker uh, was um, one of my initial mentors. Um, 
I learned human design through someone who had her come in and actually um, they introduced us to the book. She uh, did a group call with us and she actually wrote a foreword in the book that, uh, that I produced. I was lucky to have that. And um, so she's been a big part of uh, how I've learned. I, I love that she takes everything in her understanding human design book and it's it breaks it down to very easy to understand but I love uh, a lot of different teachers um, I listen to podcasts the human design podcast is one of my favorites with Emma Dunwoody um, I listen to her a lot I love her style and I'm discovering more and more so when I decided to produce a book, I didn't know a lot of human design practitioners. I knew Karen Curry Parker, I knew of her, and I knew of a few others. But uh, I used my line forward and network and find people who were teaching human design. And now all of a sudden, like my Instagram account is like filled with just people who do human design and teach it. So it's really amazing. Um, so there's definitely a lot of different styles. Um, and I always bring it back to the basics, which is know these basic elements of like your type and your strategy. And I hear like Karen say that, um, you know, it can get very complex. Yeah. But when you have a teacher and, and I think Karen and Shaitan have both studied directly with Ra, uh, the founder that, you know, you have, you have to go back to sometimes just the basic elements and master those. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, what, if you know what your North node is and cause you're in your North node now, right? Yes. And uh, so I'm curious what this now direction of your life is. Oh, it's so interesting. You asked me that my notes are in the other room. Cause I was just starting to look at this, the South North, the North node. Um, well, I think it's around, uh, I think it's a gate in the identity center around self love. Okay. I believe and stepping more into self love. I'm just is trying to recall because I don't have my chart in front of me. Okay, is it gate? It might be. I think it is. Yes, that's a self love gate. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, and so uh, and that's very true. Like I went from you know I think a phase of very much being like <laughs> all about me, like you know, trying to figure out who I am, my identity, and now just stepping into, you know, like I can be, I can be anything and self bring it back to self love. I think that's sort of what some of the things I'm recalling about an exercise that I'm doing with that right now. Okay. Well, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot, yeah, but that's a I was curious because, you know, I'm definitely in my North Node too. And uh, mine is uh, gate 54, gate of ambition. <laughs> and it's just interesting to see kind of how that plays out. And yeah. One, myself. So for those of you who don't know the North and South nodes, the so South node is your life focus from birth to roughly age 40. And then it flips to your North node, age 40 for the rest of your life. And it's what the focus, general focus of your life is. So my South node was um, gate of new beginnings, essentially. Mm, yeah. yeah. And a lot of fresh starts, which um, when I look back at relationships and careers, very true. And moving. And moving. Yeah. yeah. Although I moved, I was already in my North Node when I moved because I've only been here almost two years. <laughs> but yeah, some of the other stuff, definitely um, the changes because I had three careers in that first phase of my life. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I love that, you know, we're going deep here, but like, this is the kind of information that your human design chart can show you yes. is things like what focus was in your first half and then what's in the second half. And I also started looking up things um, about the incarnation cross. Yeah. Uh, so gates. My incarnation cross is a cross of tension, the right okay. angle cross of tension. And, um, just this idea that there's like a life purpose that that points to. And so I started to look into that and through the lens of gene keys, that's what I was just doing this last week was taking a look at some of that and the gift and the shadow of each of the gates. So it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Well, and mine is left angle cross of education. <laughs> so what's really fascinating about that is that every single 
thing that I've ever done that I become an expert in. I've been an educator in it. So wow. even, even as a kid, when I um, was doing, I was a dancer. I actually taught dance at a dance studio and I taught my dance team and I taught at dance camp. And then as a biology person, then I was a biology professor in the mortgage industry. I taught people in seminars, situations and, and my book. And then as a designer, I even taught people like at home shows and through my writing in the newspaper and then yeah. teaching again. So education, getting all like I'm a lifelong learner. So getting education, but then also educating. Yeah. Definitely my life thing. And um, do you have uh, the gate of depth? I'm curious because I'm not sure of the cross of education, but I know my sun gate is the gate of depth. And I feel like that sometimes means um, I can teach things because I'm always learning and, and looking to, you know, gather information and to help me with learning. And then I like to share that with others. Which number is that? Because I don't know what it is. 48. 48. I do not. Yeah. Actually, I, I do. I do have 48. No, I don't. But not, not in no. your incarnation. Actually, okay. No. Yeah. It, this is where it's like, I, I need my chart next to me sometimes. I'm like, wait, what is yeah. it? I don't. For those of you who want to know, who don't know what a human design chart looks like, this is an example of what you get. And now interpreting it, then you need someone like us. That's Jeff. right. <laughs> That's what I say. You can go off and try to find your own information, but just yeah. take the easy route and go talk to somebody. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, is there anything else that you have learned about yourself through your chart, whether it's your gates or your channels or anything that has really helped you to, I guess, appreciate yourself? more or understand like what you're who you're here to be mm. I don't know if this is in my chart but I this is part of what I teach when I talk about human design which is this idea of self-care and I just want to touch on that because yeah. um I guess this is you could call it part of the deconditioning process because human design in general helps you understand where you have conditioning and programming and you're out of alignment of the design of who you really are. And it's our role and our, it's so important for, for us to get into that alignment if we want things to flow. And that makes sense to me with, you know, my, again, my yoga background. And I always say that the quickest way to get in alignment, one of the quickest ways if you don't know human design, is just doing things that light you up. And that includes making sure you're taking time for self-care. And that's maintaining your energy and helping you regulate your nervous system and to, to um, be in optimal you know, well-being. And it's not just like eating and exercising. It's some of the inner work. It's the inner exploration. It's the self-awareness. It's things like we, we get through self, um, through the looking at our human design charts that self-discovery that is so important. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I think everyone listening or watching needs to hear that. <laughs> Self-care and that it, you're right, it isn't just about um, the physical aspects of exercise and food. It's the yeah. mental aspects as well. Spiritual. Yeah, the inner and the spiritual, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. so um, what else would you like to share about human design and like, how can people find you? How can they work with you? What, what ways do you like to work with clients? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I offer people to come, uh, to a, uh, once a month webinar, free intro to human design, just a talk. It's like what we've talked about a little bit at the beginning, just what does it mean? The energy types, um, you know, where do you start? And usually that's a good entry point. So, um, or if you listen to a podcast, like I just think if people can just dip their toes and then what happens if you want to go deeper is to work with somebody one-on-one -on -one, like you or me. Um, I do one-on-one -on -one readings. I also do group readings. I'm trying to market that. Um, like if you want to get a group of girlfriends together, we'll do like instead of a Tupperware party, a, a human design party. I actually <laughs> and, did that. I got invited to oh, nice. it was so fun and they all yeah. were like oh this is amazing so yeah, yeah. 
So um, I've been doing some group workshops. Um, I did a family workshop, uh, family reading together, and that's what kind of spurred the group workshop. And then um, I do have like a membership group so that if you've studied human design and want some extra support, um, I do offer that um, to those people I've done readings for. And uh, we just continue to learn and touch base every week about, you know, how's our self-care, learning different things about human design and our charts going deeper. Um, so I just see myself as a, a teacher and a guide, a mentor, and um, I love speaking on podcasts. So I thank you for this opportunity. And if people want to find me, um, they can go to my website, christyhsullivan.com, or they can find me um, on Instagram with that handle. Or on Facebook, I have um, a group, facebook.com slash group slash Christy H. Sullivan. Okay, well, and for those of you that are listening and not watching, it's Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so, Dan, make sure you get that H in there. Just like for me, I'm Dr. Lisa J. Thompson. <laughs> yes. And I need the H because there's actually an author, Christy Sullivan, the same spelling as me, who does uh, food books. So I added the H for the uh, the book writing. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, similar. <laughs> so, well, Christy, thank you so much for being on with me today. And I know everyone's like, okay, this is a connection to the cosmos, but part of part of this you know, we, we are all galactic. However, part of it, we chose to be human right here and now. And so let's understand this embodiment of being human as well. So yes, we're all in this together. Yeah. Appreciate your time. And thank you for those of you watching or listening. And I'll see you next time. Aloha.